So we're going to start with a sermon series called The Blood, which I know is a little bit of a strange title, so I want to explain this a little bit because why are we talking about the blood? Obviously, if you saw the intro, we're going to be talking about the blood of Jesus and why the blood of Jesus is so powerful, needed, and important in all of our lives, and we want you guys to gain a better understanding of what the blood is really all about. One of our heart's desires this year here at 5979 is to make sure that everything we do is going to have the cross in it. The cross, as you guys know, is a center of our faith. It's important. As a matter of fact, if you take the cross out of it, out of our belief and out of our faith in Christ, then, then nothing really happens. We're all going straight to hell. If the cross is not there, Jesus never went on the cross. He never died for our sins, and we would all be lost. So the cross is something that we want to have as a focus point, and we feel like in church these days it's been kind of moved in the back a lot. And we want to bring it forward again. So this is going to be here as a reminder every week as you walk in, you will see the cross because all of our messages are going to be around this right here. Because we need to understand this in order to live a life free of all the stuff that many of us are plagued with. And so we want to kind of make sure that we talk about the blood for the next three weeks. And we're really excited about it because I believe God's got some stuff that he wants to share with you that will change your life. So let me tell you what we're going to be covering the next three weeks. Week number one, we're going to talk about that there is salvation in the blood, which is tonight we're going to talk about that the blood gives us salvation and access to the kingdom of heaven. Number two, week is going to be, week number two is going to be transformation in the blood. And week number three, we're going to be talking about that there is freedom in the blood. Now, if this doesn't really kind of explain anything, let me give you some subtitles for this, and this will hopefully help. This week, the whole point of tonight is that it's death to self. Jesus died on the cross for us, and now as we accept him as our Lord and our Savior, we literally die to ourselves, and he becomes our king and our master and our savior and our very best friend, and we're going to cover that tonight. Next week, we're going to talk about the fact that the blood has the power to silence those voices in our head. Sometimes, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on in our head and confusing voices, and the enemy will lie to you, and some of you guys, you are struggling with it. You don't know what to do. I'm here to tell you tonight the blood of Jesus can silence them all. Because the blood of Jesus is powerful. Week number three, we're going to be talking about how to be kicking addiction out of your life. It doesn't matter what kind of addiction you have in your life. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than any addiction that you have in your life. And so we're going to see that the blood of Jesus is indeed powerful, life-giving, and life-changing. Let me pray, and then we're going to jump in tonight as we look at some scripture verses and some things in regards to salvation in the blood. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege and the honor of opening up your word tonight. Holy Spirit, I declare my dependence upon you, and I ask that you remove me from behind this pulpit and that my words will be yours. Jesus, we ask for a revelation of the blood tonight, that it will start tonight and continue the next few weeks as we're looking at this. God, show us what this is all about and let it change our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. You guys awake tonight because I'm going to go through a lot of scripture verses. So you got to come. All right, you got to help me, Rose. So, so wake up. And I'm going to go through a lot of scripture verses and I want to show you guys some stuff, but it's only going to be about 15 minutes and then we're going to release you guys into your small groups. But I want to lay some groundwork in regards to all of this in regards to the blood. I'm going to give you an opening statement that is this God's relationship to man is held together by a blood covenant. God's relationship to you individually, is held together by a blood covenant. Now, why the blood? Why would God use the blood? What's up with the blood anyway? Those are some really good questions, and let's cover this really quick. What happens if you lose all your blood? You die, right? 
So without blood, there is no life. In other words, there's life in the blood, in the natural. We live because there's blood flowing through us, right? And if we don't have it, we're dead. The same is true spiritually speaking. The reason why you are alive spiritually speaking is because the blood of Jesus runs through your veins if you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. And the blood of Jesus changes everything. I love what Spurgeon said. He said this, a bloodless gospel is a lifeless gospel. See, if you have a gospel where you don't understand the blood and the importance of blood, your gospel is lifeless. We need to understand the gospel and we understand the blood and that the blood truly brings life. In the Old Testament, people would often make a covenant through animal sacrifice, which would include um, blood, obviously. And as a matter of fact, the Old Testament is full of blood covenants. It actually starts in Genesis chapter 3, which is the first book of the Bible. And you might remember the story of Adam and Eve. Anybody remember Adam and Eve? There was a story there in the Old Testament. It starts, God created the heavens and the earth. Then he created Adam. He created a helper suitable for him, which was Eve. And then the two of them, they were walking in the Garden of Eden, and they were having fellowship with God. Everything was perfect. They were having a great time. Till something happened in Genesis 3, verse 1, and we see that the serpent, and this is the devil talking through the serpent, approached Eve, and here's what we read. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? This is always the way or often the way that the devil comes against you. He will question you. And you will question what God said, and then if we believe it and get deceived, then something bad usually happens. He said this, Had God, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And after this conversation, Adam and Eve kind of think about this, and then they decide to buy into the lie that the devil fed them. And they believe that there's something that they need, so they eat of the tree of the fruit that was forbidden to eat of, that God told them not to eat of, and then something happens. I believe they were covered in the glory of God, and therefore they didn't even realize that they were naked. But when there was something that was going on, when they sinned, that glory was taken away. And they realized, oh my gosh, we don't have a covering anymore. And so they hid from God. And we see this here in Genesis 3 verse 8. After they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They realized that something was wrong. Have you ever done this to your parents? And I, I'm a parent, so I've seen this on my kid's face, and I remember the face that I would give my parents where they just kind of catch you right there in, in a really bad moment, and you just are fully guilty, and it's all over your face. Do you know what I'm talking about? You have that moment, you're like, oh, I know my mom and dad know what's up right now, because you just, you, you know it, it's there, and you can't even hide it. That was that kind of a moment right there where Adam and Eve knew we messed up. God is going to see that they're hiding from his presence. And then we read on later on that, that he's calling them out. He's saying, Adam, Adam, where are you? And he's like, man, I, I know I messed up, and so I hid from you because we realized that, that we were not covered anymore. The glory of God had literally departed. And then we read something else here that God says, hey, I need to kick you out of the garden, but before I do, I need to do something. And we see here the first blood covenant taking place right here in 321. It says this, also for Adam and his wife, and this is God doing this before he kicks them out of the garden of Eden, and his wife, the Lord God, made tunics of skin, and he clothed them. So what's going on here? Obviously, they need some kind of, you know, animal skin in order for this to happen. So for the first time, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, for the first time for Adam and Eve, they see an animal die. They see death for the first time. They see blood, and then they realize here, God is saying, I'm going to cover you. I'm going to make a blood covenant with you because you sinned, and now there is a 
a wall. You can't communicate with me anymore. Blood needs to be shed in order for me to communicate with you once again. As a matter of fact, the fall of man, literally, there was blood that needed to be shed and for them to order communicate with God once again. As a matter of fact, when you look through the Old Testament, you can see that the high priest, later on as the tabernacle is established and the high priest and all that stuff is going on, you see that every time they would enter into the Holy of Holies, there was a blood sacrifice that was made for them to go in and to make an atonement for their sins so that they can enter into God's presence without sin. Blood covenants are all over the Bible. Leviticus 7.11 says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. When the Bible here speaks of atonement for the soul, it means that it covers us. It covers the things that we have done. Adam and Eve lost communion with God, and God restored it through a blood covenant. Again, it's all over the Old Testament. Let me give you a couple more examples of blood sacrifices and blood covenants in the Old Testament. Do you guys remember Noah? Noah, what was going on during his time was the, the people around him had gotten so wicked, so evil, that God looked down and said, I will wipe them all out and start over. And he said, Noah, I'm going to take you, I'm going to make you a preacher of righteousness. You're going to warn the people, and whoever wants to be saved can come into the ark. And you guys know the story. Only eight people actually ended up in the ark, and everybody else died. But what happens right afterwards? As... The floods come over, the water, and they're in the boat for a long time. And then God opens the door, and Noah comes out, and this is the first thing he does. And we read this here in Genesis 8, 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And he took of every clean animal and every clean beard, and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. Now, so what, there, there was blood involved right here in the sacrifice. And as the aroma of that sacrifice was going up to heaven, God said, I will never do that again. From now on out, I will make a covenant with mankind that I will never wipe them off the face of the earth again, and I will do something, and I will give you a sign. Do you guys know what the sign is? The sign is the rainbow. So there was a covenant, and it was a blood covenant that was made through the sacrifice that Noah did. Abraham, in Genesis 17, verse 10, it's a blood covenant, and it's a covenant of circumcision. We read this here in Genesis 17. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child, you shall, every male child among you shall be circumcised. There's a blood covenant that God did with Abraham. He said, this is how it's going to be. Then later on, and there's so many more, Moses and this is one of my favorite ones. Moses is, you know, the prince of Egypt, and then kind of he does something stupid. He walks away, and he comes back, and he's going to be the deliverer of Israel. But Israel had been in bondage for 400 years. And God now is trying to deliver the people, but Pharaoh is not letting them go. And he's sending all these plagues to them. Nine had happened. Now there's a tenth. And the tenth is that now every firstborn child, every firstborn male will die. And God is saying, hey, I'm not going to do this to you, but what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to slaughter a lamb. And I want you to take the blood, and I want you to put it on the doorpost. And when the angel of death walks by, when he sees the blood, he will pass by you, and he will not do anything to you. So we read this here, and this is awesome because it's a foreshadowing of what Jesus did on the cross. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be assigned to you on the house where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be to you, and it shall not destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Again, this is a foreshadowing of what Jesus did on the cross. See what happens when Jesus went on the cross? When his blood was shed, now God will look at us. When we've accepted him, he does not see us. He sees the blood that covers us. 
and the wrath is appeased, and he can, he can move by that. That's because of Jesus' blood, but he did on the cross. The blood of Jesus, guys, is so powerful. You need to understand what you have in the blood. There's so many things that we can learn from the blood, and if we really get it, man, it changes our lives forever. What does the blood of Jesus do? It allows us to apply it to our lives, to make him our Lord and our Savior, and then we have access through that to Jesus and to God the Father. And I don't know about you guys, but that's exciting. We wanted to start the year by showing this to you guys again, by reminding you that the blood of Jesus, that there's power in the blood. God's first sacrifice covered Adam and Eve's sin with animal's blood, and his final sacrifice covered you and me with the blood of his only begotten son. Man, when Jesus went on that cross, guys, we sometimes take this lightly and just talk about it. Yeah, Jesus went on the cross. I know that. It took everything. He gave his life for us so that we can have communion with God again. Again, what happened with Adam and Eve, that there was a block that they couldn't commune with God. It's the same for us. And Jesus, that was the final sacrifice on the cross. No more sacrifices needed. No more animal sacrifices needed. That was it. Jesus said, it is finished on the cross. And I think part of that is, it is finished. No more sacrifice needed. I am the one. Now it's done. And now we can come to the Father. Do you guys get this? This is awesome. The blood of Jesus is powerful. It's amazing. And it changes everything. Let's go back to what I said in the beginning, the opening statement. God's relationship to you is held together by a blood covenant. He made a blood covenant with you. The blood of Jesus is powerful. It breaks the yoke of death. Any addiction, anything you have in your life, the blood of Jesus is more powerful. When you get that revelation, then you can tackle some of these things that are in your life that are holding you hostage. And you can say, the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over that. And God, you're going to be delivering me from this. The blood of Jesus has power to set you free. And we're going to talk about this the next few weeks. It has power to help you when the mind games are going on. The blood of Jesus is super powerful. Charles Spurgeon once again said this, Morality, being kind of, sort of good, may keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell. Morality may keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell. It does take Jesus going to the cross for us to be able to enter into heaven. His blood flows through our veins when we accept him as our master and our savior. 1 John 4.10 says this, In this is love. Not that we love God, because we really didn't. He loved us first, but that he loved us and he sent his son to do the appropriation for our sins. Now that's a big word, so let's look at this in the Amplified and see whether we can break this down just a little bit more. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to the appropriation for us. That is the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering. That means that Jesus jumped in for us and said, hey, I will take the blame. I will be the sacrifice. And because of that, you can now come to the Father. For our sins, fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin and placating, placating his wrath. God chose to provide the sacrifice. You couldn't pay the price. Nothing that you can do or ever will be able to do will pay the price. But his sacrifice on the cross paid it all. Guys, I want us to start honoring the blood that was shed and not trample on it. And the way that we honor the blood is by living the life that we were safe from, by, by not living the life, by going in the direction of Jesus and not in the direction of the world. A lot of us, we, we trample the blood, and we take it really lightly. And I want us to start honoring it, because what Jesus did on the cross, again, guys, 
It cost him everything. Every last drop was shed for us so that we can have communion with the Father. The blood of Jesus is powerful. It's life-giving and life-changing. Spurgeon once again said this, There may be some sins of which a man cannot speak, but there's not one sin which the blood of Christ cannot wash away. Not one sin, not one addiction, not one depression that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away. And if you understand that, then you can walk in freedom. And if you can apply that to your life, you can walk in freedom. We're going we're gonna to learn this the next few weeks we look at this. Guys, I don't know where you are, but I know with a crowd of this size, there's going to be some people that are not in right standing with God right now. And so what I want to do is I want to ask you guys, what are you doing right now? How is your relationship with Jesus? Are you sold out on fire for Jesus? Are you going all after him? Or are you completely backslidden? What are you watching right now, young people? What is keeping you up at night? Are you sneaking out of your room to the computer then to watch something that you know you shouldn't be watching? What's going on in your bedroom when no one else is watching? What are you listening to? What are you talking about? What are you thinking? What are you fantasizing about? How are you and your parents? Are you in complete defiance to them? Are you disobedient all the time? What's going on? All that. See, the way that we know that Holy Spirit lives in us is by us living holy lives. That's the fruit. If we say, Holy Spirit is in me, our life will be holy. Because who is he? He's holy. So where are you at, guys? And I'm asking myself the same question. Where are you at? 